Hello, welcome to Kapow Radio Show on Monday, May the- 8th, May 8th, 2017. Who the heck is that interrupting my, my, my vocal? <laughs> I was singing, man. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <sighs> You're such a bad, bad producer. I'm not producing this show. Well, who is? Skipper. That's the problem. She's eating. Oh, no, here she is. She's sleeping. Skipper is a dog, and she's producing this show, and that's why it sounds the way it does. It's lame. It's lame. But the topic we're going to talk about is not lame. It's anything but lame. It is so friggin' exciting that my hair's falling out. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that sound weird? Why would my hair fall out if I was I don't so know. excited? You said it. I laughed about it. <laughs> you said it. I laugh. That's a good t-shirt. That is a good t-shirt. You said it, I laugh. And people won't know what you're talking about, but they'll think that's funny. You know why? Because they're weird, man. <laughs> but we're going to talk about today. What are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about the parousia. Parousia. That's the Greek word. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. But it's pronounced Perosia. I like the way I pronounce it. S- pronounce it, Ms. Perosia. I think that's prettier. Yes, I like I like the way you pronounce I it. I know. It actually sounds like a cheese dish that you would have with a nice Mexican meal. Why do you always associate everything with cheese? That's how I and mem- food. That's how I memorize things. <laughs> I'll take some Perosia on my cheese enchiladas, please, por favor. <laughs> but it's Greek. And they're telling me it's pronounced parousia, so All I'm right. gonna have to. Let's I'm just... gonna have to go with the uh, those people. Parousia. All right. The Greek word parousia, and it parousia. means a Ooh. presence or a coming or an arrival of an individual. And in the New Testament, my friends, it's used of the coming of Christ. Sometimes it's used. In his first coming, and we'll see that, like in Peter, Peter talks about, he uses the Greek word parousia to talk about Jesus' first coming, but most of the time it's referring to his second coming, either in AD 70 in judgment or coming in the final end in judgment, the final end of the age, the parousia. That's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. The coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, you're going, what? I've never heard this teaching before. No one teaches about the second coming of Christ anymore. No one's excited about it anymore. They're too busy looking at, I don't know, what all this nonsense everybody looks at. They're talking about politics and global wars and I don't know, stuff. But let's talk about the return of Christ because that's really, that's really all that matters. Seriously. Because then it's uh, this life here, this uh, probation you're on, this prison planet, this learning, this learning environment. Hopefully you've learned everything you need to learn and uh, you're out of here, man. And then it's eternity. It's eternity in, in, a, in a perfect, righteous government by God. And evil is demolished. It's done away with. That's what I'm looking forward to. That makes my hair fall out. I love it. I love it. So this word, perosia, the Greek word used in the New Testament, but it's also used, and this is important, it's also used about regular people coming. You know, like Paul, the Apostle Paul writes of the coming of Stephanas, Stephanas, and Fortunatus, and Archaicus. I don't who named who named those people, but he talks about he uses that word he t- when he talks about real people coming. Uh, he also writes about Titus coming, and he talks about himself coming, and he uses that Greek word. The point I want to make is that it's a word used for the real appearance, the real coming, the real manifestation of a real person. So when we're talking about the second coming of Christ, the rapture of those believers, and we see Christ, and we see his glory, and we're changed in a twinkling of an eye, this is not some spiritual, mystical thing. 
This is a real presence, a real coming, a real appearance, a real manifestation that mm. you're going to see. That's what our hope is in. Yeah. That's our expectation. That's why we live the way we live. Because we're expecting his glorious appearance, his glorious right. parousia. Amen. And I think mm-hmm. that's basically the message. And I can say good night. Good night. I need to take an offering first. Pass the plate, Mr. Kapow. Uh-huh. Get those big bouncers, those big ushers, I mean, to get <laughs> together. The wheat and tares. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's begin by playing a clip from uh, uh, gotquestions.org. And this is a clip, and the question is, what is the parousia? So they're going to explain it to you. Okay? Okay. And then we'll be right back after this short explanation, children. What is the parousia? A presentation of Got Questions Ministries. The Greek word parousia is a noun that means a coming or a presence. As it is used in the New Testament, it can refer to any individual's coming or presence to a specific place or to be with specific people. For example, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 17, Paul writes of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. In 2 Corinthians 7, verse 6, Paul writes of the coming of Titus. In Philippians 2, verse 12, it is used to refer to Paul's presence. Most importantly, however, if you were to do a search of the Greek New Testament, you would find that primarily this word refers to the coming of the Lord Jesus. It can refer to either his second coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, Matthew 24, verses 27, 37, and 39, or to his coming to rapture his church prior to the seven-year period known as the tribulation, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, James 5, verse 8, 1 John 2, verse 28. So the parousia is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have to look at the context to determine whether it refers to his appearing in the air to rapture or catch away the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18, or whether it refers to his second coming to earth to set up his millennial kingdom, Matthew chapters 24 and 25. This has been a presentation of God Questions Ministries, www.godquestions.org. And we're back on. You know, Ms. Kapow, I have to mm-hmm. say that I like my pronunciation of those Greek names better than that, dude. Yes, definitely. I, I think I say it right when I said Oh, yeah. I think that's how you really say it. <laughs> I think he's just trying to be smug. Mm-hmm. So let's get serious, Brother Kapow. We're going to talk about the parousia, the coming of Christ. And guess who else wrote about it? Enoch. Enoch, the book of Enoch. Enoch 1, the writings of Enoch. Thousands of years before the birth of Christ, this these writings were written. Thousands of years, folks. I keep saying that. It's just amazing. Even if you want to say the book is 3,000 years older, okay, I say it's much older than that. I say it's Enoch himself handing it to his son, giving it to, to Noah, surviving. Here's the deal. There's several books of Enoch. Let me clarify something. Books of Enoch. There's Enoch 1, 2, and 3. 2 and 3 are either Jewish mysticism or adulterated with Catholic teaching, and they're not even scriptural. There's only one book of Enoch that's legit. That's book 1. So when you say the books of Enoch, that's including 1, 2, and 3, but that's not correct. So I'm going to use the term writings of Enoch, writing of Enoch. What I read from and what we're studying from is book one, the only book that's scriptural, the only book that's real. All right. Mm-hmm. The other two are Satan's attempt to um, confuse things like he always does so that you will not read it or understand it because it's all here. The history of mankind's all here. It's amazing. So Enoch Thousands of years before the birth of Christ and the birth of the New Testament Ecclesia, and talking about the uh, parousia and the return of Christ, wrote about this. That in itself should make your hair fall out in excitement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little Enoch, 
We're going to talk about the parousia, and then Miss Kapow is going to go, and she's going to read some New Testament scriptures on the parousia, mm-hmm. and then we're going to go from there. All right. All right? Now, remember, Paul talked about the mystery, and he says that in a twinkling of an eye, you know, we shall be changed. When he talked about, I think that's in Second Thessalonians two eighteen. Mm-hmm. Am I correct, Mr. Powell? Something like that. I think so. I believe so. And you know, he talks about the return of Christ. He talks about the parousia, and that the dead in Christ, the people who are who have died, have been martyred, who had lived for Christ and who are dead, will be resurrected first. And then those who were alive and remain, whether it's in Paul's day uh, or our day or a future day, those who are alive and remain will be caught up in a live resurrection is what it is. And your body will be changed from this mortal flesh to immortality. Paul explains this in Corinthians that your body has to, to die. It's like a kernel that goes into the ground it dies, and then what springs up is something totally different, totally new. You know, that plant, that wheat is different than the seed that went into the ground. Your human body is corrupted. It's flesh. That cannot be immortal. So this nonsense about, you know, a physical body coming out of the graves or, you know, out of the sepulcher or, oh, my God, you can't be cremated because what about the resurrection? That's nonsense. Flesh can't enter the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mystery. In a twinkling of eye, an eye, you're going to be changed. If you're alive, if you're not alive, you're going to be resurrected and changed anyway after death in the resurrection. If you're alive, it's a live resurrection. Simple as that. That's what people call a rapture or a, a catching away or snatching up. It's a real thing. This isn't some spiritual mystical thing. It's really going to happen. Um, it really is. It's it's going to be incredible. You want to be around for this. Believe me, you don't want to miss the bus. And I'm going to tell you about missing the bus. And when I get done, you're really not going to want to miss the bus. Mm-hmm. In Enoch chapter 50, verse 1, in the writings of Enoch, here's what he says. He says, when the son of man, who's that? Jesus Christ. This was written 3,000 years before Jesus Christ, Enoch talks about Jesus Christ. That's amazing. He says, when the Son of Man is revealed, the chosen and holy, that's you, if you're a biblical Christian, will find this change. Here's the change. The light of his presence will dwell with them, and they will have glory and honor. That's verse 1. So let's break that down. When the Son of Man is revealed, that's like the parousia, when he is manifested, when he appears, when he comes, when he shows up. You, if you're a biblical Christian, following the laws and commandments of God, you're chosen and holy, you will find this change. Remember, Paul talked about a mystery. In a twinkling of an eye, you shall be changed. Enoch says you will find this change. Here's what the change is. The light of his presence, or parousia. Parousia. Hmm. The light of his parousia, his presence, his coming, his appearance, his manifestation, will dwell with them, that's you, biblical Christians, and you will have glory and honor. Now, you go, what is glory and honor? Well, later on, in Enoch chapter 51, verse 4, he describes what that is. We'll get to that. Glory and honor is that you become like the angels. Mm -hmm. You become immortal. You get immortality. That's scriptural. I'm not telling you anything that's not in the Bible. It's just that the the writings of Enoch clarified some of these things that we've been confused about. And that's why it's been hidden all this time. See, it's a book for the last days. It's written specifically for the last day generation. 
And I used to get so upset at the Catholic Church or the devil or, you know, the uh, the Nicene Council for not putting this in our canon and for burying the book up until the uh, really the 1800s. But I, then I realized it was God himself that hid this book from mankind because the book is written for the last generation, for the last days. Mm-hmm. It's part of the prophetic workings of God. I don't know if you can get your head around that, but I'm I'm serious. That's why it's being revealed today. That's right. And I don't know how many people are out there actually talking about it, but we're we're doing it. We're sharing it. Mm-hmm. And there will be people who who are going to listen to these broadcasts and stuff after we're gone. I'm serious. And and um, hopefully they'll find mercy uh, from God and and make it through that tribulation. But that's that's why we do these. These broadcasts. Okay, so right there in verse one, you can see Enoch is talking about the parousia. In Enoch, even in Enoch chapter 61 and 62, he talks about the presence of of Christ coming back. And in verse two, he says, the sinners, here's three types of people that are affected by the parousia. The sinners will find when the son of man comes, that's the parousia, Mm -hmm. that term. They will find when the son of man appears, manifests when he comes, the parousia. Here's what they're going to find. That calamity has been heaped up for them. Calamity has been heaped up for them. When Christ returns and he's manifested, they're going to find themselves into great, great tribulation. Mm -hmm. There's some heavy, heavy stuff that's going to happen to this planet, folks. There's going to be some cosmological, astrological events that are going to literally tilt this earth. In the days of Noah, the earth was tilted. Noah was shown this. The earth was tilted. No no one knew destruction was coming. He was told by the angels, and he saw the earth tilted. The same thing's going to happen. That's why Jesus says, in the days of Noah, likewise will be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There's there's very, very heavy-duty similarities between both times. And it's not just giants and Nephilim and mixed seed. There's, it's the changes of the earth, changes in the heavens. So the, the sinners are going to realize that great calamity has been heaped up for them when they see the parousia of Christ. Mm-hmm. They, Enoch goes on, he says, they will be conquered in the name of the Lord of Spirits. Mm. Conquered in the name of the Lord of Spirits. Now, two groups, right? In verse one, the chosen and holy, that should be you, will find the change at his presence that you will have glory and honor. You'll be like the angels. That's group one. Group two is the sinner's will have calamity heaped on him when he comes in judgment. And here's group three. To those remaining, hmm. the way of repentance will be shown. Now, when I first read this, I flipped out. To those remaining, the way of repentance will be shown. And I've never been a big Tim LaHaye fan or or a fan of those left behind fictional books, you know, and movies. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of truth in that. There are people who are professing Christians that do know the way. They know the way of Christianity. They know the way of Christ. And they're living in the world. They're living with the world. They're living of the world. And they're not living a life pleasing to God. And they're going to miss that bus, folks. And that's going to be bad. I can't 
tell you how bad that is. God's mercy will still remain, but they're going to miss that bus. And when they miss that bus, it is going to be hard to live in that tribulation. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very, very difficult. Um, So there's a third group to those remaining. After the Lord comes in judgment and he conquers all the sinners, all the evil and eliminates the evil, there will be people left on this earth. When, when the fallen angels are eliminated, when all the demons are judged, when sin is removed from this planet and his kingdom, everything that offends is removed from his kingdom, the terrors, there will be humans left on this planet to rebuild and there will be no more sin. You see, because the influence of sin, the fallen angels, the Satans, the demons, they're all going to be eliminated So there will be humans still left here. There'll be humans born in that millennial period. Those are the ones who are remaining. And it says the way of repentance will be shown. In verse 3, these ones, this is the book of Enoch, uh, the writings of Enoch. Verse 3, chapter 50 says, these ones will not be as the saints. That's you and I. Hopefully and expectantly, That's you and I. These ones will not be as the saints, but in the name of the Son of Man, they may be saved. The Lord of Spirits will have great mercy on them. That's heavy because there's a first resurrection. There's a first rapture when he comes. That's the one you want to get on. And then there's a second resurrection. That's really, really hard. And that's only for those who haven't taken the mark of the beast. Okay. In the book of Revelation, chapter 20, four through six says, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's the bus you want to be on. Mm -hmm. That's the one. You don't want to take the mark of the beast, the, the beast of this system, of this world. This world is antichrist. And Revelation verse 5 Chapter 20 continues, but the rest of the dead lived not until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. That's the one you need to be on. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection Mm. or rapture. If you're alive, it's a live resurrection on such the second death hath no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Those are the people who are going to be reigning the the humans on earth with Christ for those thousand years. You want to be on that bus. Does that make sense, Ms. Capel? Mm-hmm. And so that's what Enoch is talking about. These ones will not be as the saints. They won't be up in heaven. They won't be as the angels. They won't have glorified bodies. But in the name of the Son of Man, in the name of Jesus, they could be saved. They may be saved if they repent. The Lord of Spirits will have great mercy on them. And then verse 4 of chapter 50, Enoch says, The Lord is righteous in judgment, and sin will not be found at the day of judgment. You get it? Everything's going to be wiped out. Mm -hmm. There's nothing left. And Enoch continues and says, If one does not repent before that day, he will never find the Lord's mercy. Mm. Are you serious? In the book of Revelation, we find these plagues and seals and trumpets and vials being poured out on the earth. And it says that even after that, they still wouldn't repent and curse God. Mm -hmm. This is imperative. I mean, if anybody's listening to my sound of voice and we're still here today in 2017 and the the rapture hasn't taken place and you're not serious and you're still messing around with stuff in the world and not living a life pleasing, I beg you, 
I, I beg you to really take stock and repent. Yeah. I beg you to repent of your sins and your rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. Because once that rapture happens, it's going to be difficult. Difficult. It's possible because God's mercy is going to remain. But you'll be in that class to those remaining. The way of repentance will be shown, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be nasty, nasty, nasty down here. Yeah, can you can imagine how difficult it is today living for Christ. I can just imagine how difficult it would be for those that remain behind. Yes. I mean, you think this Plus is... the sheer terror. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I mean... Uh, you you really think this is difficult, you know, with with the politics and you get angry with the you know the crazy idiot liberals and you know stupid things they're doing. This ain't nothing when the sky falls mm-hmm. and the sword comes upon because there's going to be a great sword given to all the wicked to destroy themselves. That's what happened in the days of Noah, you know. Before the flood, a great sword war was given to the giants, to the nephis, and they killed themselves. Mm-hmm. The same thing you can see it today. You you can see it today among you. The 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 deaths they they destroy each other. You don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see that. You don't want to have to go through that. In Isaiah, I don't know exactly where it's found, but there's a scripture that says. If you can't run with the footmen, right? Like in war, you, you can't march with the footmen, run with the footmen. How are you ever going to run with the horses mm-hmm. or the chariots? Right. <laughs> if you can't serve God in a time of peace, how are you going to serve him when the sky falls mm-hmm. and there's no food and there's no water and there's drought and famine and and roving hordes of demonic people. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Some serious stuff. Okay, Miss Kapow. That's the parousia, and we have some New Testament scriptures to go along with that. Um, could you start working your Miss Kapow? Okay. Well, the parousia, as we know, is is um, another word for the presence of Christ. And so I have some scriptures with that word in it. Okay. okay. Matthew 24, 3 says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So the disciples were asking Jesus that what would be the sign of his coming. Matthew twenty four twenty seven says, For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall the also the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew twenty four through um I'm gonna see I'm twenty four thirty seven through thirty nine says but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the, son, the coming of the Son of Man be. Then 1 Corinthians 15.23 says, but every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. First Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? First Thessalonians 3.13 To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And First Thessalonians 4.15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Then First Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very 
God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.1 now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Second Thessalonians 2, 8 through 9 says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him who coming is after the working of Satan will all power and signs and lying wonders. James 5, 7 through 8, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it, until he receive the early and later rain, latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Second Peter 1, 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we have made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then the last one, Second Peter 3, 4 says, And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And then you have... You're not, oh, I'm sorry. There's more to this page than you more. gave me. Yeah. Second yeah. Peter three twelve, Looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. First John two twenty eight. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may be, we may have confidence, and not be ashamed before him coming. I'm sorry, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Welcome to the Remnant Resistance. Welcome to Welcome the Remnant Resistance. 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 Resisting and fighting the enemies of God. You are listening to the Kapow Radio Show Network. What? And Kapow stands for Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. You can hear all the shows on archive anytime or as an iTunes download. Our topics include the paranormal, the supernatural, and spiritual warfare. The Kapow Radio Show is sponsored by Fifth Hook Media. Visit fifthhookmedia.com to see our ebooks about spiritual warfare. That's F I F T H O O K media.com. Keep up the good advice. We are glad you joined the resistance. Welcome back. And every time that word there is that you hear coming, that's parousia. The pr- appearance. Yeah, that's appearance. His presence. His presence. His manifestation. What Ms. Kapow did is she read every single scripture in the New Testament that has that word parousia in it as it refers to Christ's coming, either his first coming, coming in judgment, coming in the rapture. Um but there are many other scriptures in the New Testament that talk about just regular people coming. Titus, Stephanus, you know, Paul himself. They use that word saying, I'm coming to you. So it's a very real thing. It's not some mystical, spiritual thing. When Christ comes, he's coming. His appearance. And then some stuff's going to happen. Some good stuff's going to happen to those who are serving him. And some bad, bad things are about to happen for those who don't. That's just the bottom line. Now, as I talk, Ms. Kapow, I want you to get prepared to start talking about the three different Greek terms that refer to the second coming of Christ. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk a little bit, and then you just get prepared to give those three terms. And, um, you know, obviously we're not going to give all the scriptures to those, but just kind of talk about that a little bit. Because there, there are three terms in the New Testament. Uh, there's two other terms that are used. Okay, because we already did the parousia. Parousia, yeah. Okay, so, so then I just talk about the other two. Yes, All right. yes. Yeah, yeah. So let me let me yab my gubs a little bit here. Um, and go back to Enoch and, t- and talk about, you know, getting on that bus. Like I said before, there's, there's people in the millennium. Those who are ruled over by the saints 
are those remaining. And they will be shown repentance, but to get a glorified body, to have a new home in the new Jerusalem, it's no longer part of the plan. Just like I read to you in, in Revelation, blessed are those who are part of the first resurrection slash rapture if you're alive, the live rapture. It's, it's imperative um, not, not to miss that. Okay. Uh, when we talk about Christ coming in the uh, parousia, in Revelation 14, 14, it says, and I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one sat like unto the son of man. Huh. Sounds like Enoch. Mm. Having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Can you see Enoch was written thousands of years before this? So don't tell me that the New Testament writers were not influenced by this book. Of course they were. It is a book of prophecy. So were the Old Testament writers. So were the Old Testament writers. Yes, that's why I know it's very, very ancient. Um, And it's revealed for us today, the last generation. This is, it's important. In Enoch 46.3 says, this is the son of man, the righteous and sinless one. We've already established that through prior shows who the son of man is. John 5.27 says, and talking about Christ and hath given him authority or God talking about Christ hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. In Acts 4.12, it says, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So those who are left behind, those who who remain will be shown the way of repentance. It's only through his name if they call on his name. But if one does not repent before that day, he will never find the Lord's mercy. There's a cutoff point. Sin is filled up. It's iniquity. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while ye he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Today's the day. Tomorrow is way too late. Even if Christ doesn't come tomorrow in the rapture, you could just have a heart attack while walking down the stairs or just get in a car accident or have some demonic just come and shoot you. Mm-hmm. Folks, It's we never know. We never know. Let me uh, continue with a little bit of Enoch, and then we're going to talk about the presence some more. In chapter 51, verse 1, it says, In that same time, the earth will give up the dead bodies. Sheol will give up the imprisoned spirits. The destroyed will return. Folks, what does that sound like? That sounds like Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 which says, and the sea gave up the dead, which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. Mm -hmm. Enoch says the same thing. He's telling you what's going to happen. Verse 2 in chapter 51 of Enoch, the righteous and holy will be saved, but the wicked will be destroyed. Psalms 32.10, speaking of Old Testament, being Enochian. Psalms 32.10 says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him bound. Back to Enoch. Verse 3, The chosen one will sit upon the throne and rule with wisdom, for the Lord of spirits has appointed him and glorified him. In that day, the mountains shall leap like rams and the hills will skip as lambs satisfied with milk and all the saints will be glorified as the angels of heaven. Remember in verse one of chapter 50, it said at his parousia, he will dwell with them and they will have glory and honor. Well, right there, it tells you what that glory and honor is. All the saints will be glorified as the angels. In heaven, Mm -hmm. you will gain immortality, folks, Mm -hmm. because you've passed probation down here. You made it through the prison planet. You made it through the gauntlet. You were faithful. You were believing. You were upstanding. You had trust in God. Mm -hmm. Last week, we, we talked about all the sins of judgment. We're serious. We're not just 
yabbing our gums. They're dead serious about this. This is highly important. In Psalms 114, 4 through 6, it says the mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. It sounds exactly like Enoch, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Verse 5, they will radiate with joy because of the chosen one who will have been resurrected. It says it right there. Because of the chosen one who will have been resurrected. The earth will rejoice. The righteous chosen ones will dwell upon it and rule and possess it. Romans 1 4 says, and declare to the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. 1 Peter 1 3, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <laughs> Is that amazing? Mm-hmm. All right, Ms. Capel, I think you can talk about those other two terms. Okay. Well, the two terms um, is the first one is apocalypsis, and the other one is epiphania. So we'll go to the the first one, apocalypsis, which means a disclosure or an appearing. And the first scripture I have is 1 Corinthians 1, 7, but I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and on all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second um, scripture is Second Thessalonians one seven, and it says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. The second, the next um, scripture is First Peter one seven through thirteen, and the scriptures, uh, the verses seven and thirteen have the word. Um, Apocalypsis in there that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes perishes though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ whom having not seen ye love in whom thou now ye see him not yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. And then verse 13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the last scripture um, for that word is First Peter 4.13. It says, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And now the word epiphania means manifestation or the advent of Christ's coming. And the first scripture is First Timothy 6.14, but I'm going to read verses 12, 13, and 14. Mm-hmm. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickens all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep his com- this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. 
The second、um, scripture is found in 2 Timothy verse, I mean, chapter 4, 4, verses 1 and 8, but I'm going to read 1 through 8. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that, loved, that love his appearing.、Mm. And the last scripture is found in、uh, Titus 2 13. And I'm going to read 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That sums it up. I mean, that's what we've been, we've been talking about. Because that scripture then says. Here's what you need to do as you wait for his parousia.、Mm-hmm. You know, here's, here's how you need to live. And that's what this whole message is about. You know, Enoch goes on and he talks about you know, these mountains that he sees in a vision. And then in chapter 52, verse 6, he says, All these mountains, or the angels answering him, all these mountains you have seen. Will be as wax before fire when the chosen one appears. As water falls from a cliff, so will these mountains fall at his presence. And I want to remind you that mountains will melt like wax at the coming of Jesus. Peter talks about that. And Psalms 97 5 says, The hills are melted like wax at the presence of the、mm. Lord. At the presence, his parousia of the Lord of the whole earth. <laughs> oh man, folks, seriously?、Mm-hmm. As water, it, it then, then he says, as water falls from a cliff, so also will these mountains fall at his presence. Now, check this out, Ms. Kapow.、Mm-hmm. Micah 1 4 says, and the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire. And as the waters that are poured down a steep place. <laughs> as water falls from a cliff, then Micah, and Micah says, as, as, as it fall, pours down from a cliff or a steep、wow. place. Same thing.、Mm-hmm. Folks, you can't make that up. You can't have a, you can't have a book that's 5,000 years you know, old. I know, amazing. That's, that aligns so much with scripture. It truly is a word for the last generation. That's incredible. Amazing. In verse 7, chapter 52 says, Also, the gold and silver of men will not save them. They will not even be able to flee. Iron for war, nor metal for a breastplate, nor bronze, nor tin, nor lead will be of any use. It's useless. It's useless、yeah. when、uh, big asteroids are hitting the earth, folks. Exactly. All these things will be worthless when the chosen one appears in the power of the Lord of Spirits. And when I saw a valley, a very deep valley, and men of the earth were rushing into it as into an open mouth with everything they brought, yet the valley was not full. And, and that just reminds me, and I'm not saying this is what it is, but it reminds me of all these underground bunkers and underground military、yeah. bases、uh-huh. that we have.、Uh, verse 2 of chapter 53 Just as in the way the wicked destroy all the toil and labor of the righteous, don't, isn't that true?、Mm-hmm. So the Lord of Spirits will destroy the sinners 
and banished them from the earth in that great valley. Mm. That's, that's when they're hidden in the earth and they're crawling out, crying out for the mountains to fall on them because of the presence of the, of the, the wrath of the lamb, folks. Exactly. For I saw angels of punishment preparing weapons for evil. What does that mean? Nukes? War? You figure it out. Mm-hmm. I saw angels of punishment preparing weapons for evil. I asked the angel of peace, for whom are these weapons? And he answered, they are for the kings and rulers of this earth. Mm-hmm. They will be destroyed by these weapons. Remember, I, I, I just told you that a sword is given so they'll destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, as the days of Noah, so will be the days of the coming of the Son of Man, the parousia. Mm-hmm. Those giants, those Nephilim, those seed of the fallen angels mixed with humans, they were rulers of the earth, kings of the earth, were given a sword to do battle, and they killed each other. They even ate each other in cannibalism. Yep. Same thing. So when you see, when you hear these wars, rumors of wars, that's stuff that's been going on for centuries. That's why Jesus says the end's not yet, because you're constantly going to be hearing wars and and rumors of wars. Yeah. The end's not yet. But he gives you specific times when the end is close, Mm -hmm. is yet. These guys destroy themselves. They're going to destroy themselves. It's not wise just to go, eh, you know, North Korea, yeah, you know, that won't happen. Yeah, this won't happen. It's, it's not wise to do that Mm-mm. because that's all part of their destruction. Your redemption is going to draw nigh. Okay. Verse six, the righteous chosen one will bring his people with him. Who are, who are his people? That should be us. And how is he going to bring his people with him if we are not already with him in the air, caught up at the resurrection slash live rapture slash live resurrection? We're part of that army. If you don't want to fight down here, if you don't want to fight Satan down here and get in the battle, roll up your sleeves and do spiritual warfare and fight... How are you going to fight in Christ's army? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a good question, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if, uh, you know, you didn't believe in, uh, well, I don't believe in violence and guns and blah, blah, blah. Why would you go join the military or be a policeman? Oh, yeah. So you can make that stupid movie that they played. Remember that one? Oh, where yeah. Where he was a soldier, but he, and he was like a hero. Yeah. Hacksaw Ridge or yeah, that, that something one. like that. I didn't see it. I, just, I didn't either, but I saw the previews and yeah, I thought that was annoying. Thought it was an agenda. So the the chosen ones, the people the, the righteous chosen one will bring his people with him and no longer will the wicked trouble them. Mm. Now, chapter 53 verse 7, I'm going to end with this. The mountains will melt at his coming. The hills will be as water, and the righteous will not be mistreated any longer. That's it. That's what happens at the parousia. That's what happens at the parousia. Wow. Yeah. And let me read this, because I read, you know, Micah about the the mountains melting and um, as wax before a fire pour down a steep place. Mm-hmm. Well, 2 Thessalonians 2.8 says, and then shall that wicked one be revealed. See, he, he's also going to be um, shown. Whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his parousia, mm. his coming. Wow. Wow. So you see, just like the days of of Noah, just like those fallen angels were judged in that time of the flood, 
It also applies to the fallen angels and the evil powers and the Antichrist and the false prophet. All those guys in the last days. And there's similarities of the days of Noah and of the days of Armageddon. It's the final end of the wicked. Amen. Noah's day, it came with a flood. The final end of the wicked of the tribulation comes at the battle of Armageddon. Evil spirits, evil angels, all of these people, all these, these things leading humans astray. In the last days, they're seducing spirits. There's doctrines of devils. They're going to lead more and more people into darkness. Look how dark it is right now, folks. These are the signs of the times. These are the signs. And just like angels helped Noah prepare the ark and escape destruction of the flood, angels will be involved much in helping us overcome attacks of the devils in the last days. Mm -hmm. We can personally attest to that. And fallen angels who sinned in Noah's day were bound and in the tribulation, many of them will be released to sin again. But they're going to find a final judgment after that. So the last days compare in many ways to the days of Noah. And that's what Jesus said. Just as the coming of my parousia. So it was in the days of Noah. Mm-hmm. Anything to add, Ms. Capel? Nope. I think you added everything. I just thought it was a beautiful teaching from the ancient book of Enoch writings of Enoch and looking at scripture and he's been the the book of Enoch has been right on so far about the coming of Christ his first coming and his second coming Mm. it's been right on with scripture so there's no reason to doubt so as we reveal more and more you're going to get more details about what is really happening and what is going to happen exactly it's absolutely exciting. It does change your whole worldview and it gives you such elation and joy. And mm-hmm. the things of this world grow strangely dim as you look into the fullness of his face. Amen. Amen? Mm-hmm. Give us a, a chow then. Chow, baby. <laughs> Oh, 